Shabbat Shalom, everyone. I'm Rabbi David Levine, and this is Live from Home, and it's Arab Shabbat on Friday, August 7th, 2020. This evening, Eric Painter and his whole family will lead us in Hebrew prayers and worship, and after that, Rabbi Yuri and I will study the scriptures together with you, and then we'll conclude with a final worship song. I always like to encourage you to Use the share button on this Facebook post to let your friends know that now is a good time as we're getting started to join in with us. And I want to encourage you to participate with your comments at the beginning. We like to greet one another with in the comments section, and then we enter into worship together and we study together. And tonight, let's pray for the people of Beirut who are dealing with that terrible disaster this week. What may have been the largest non-nuclear explosion in history killed more than 150, injured thousands, and destroyed large swaths of the city. So let's pray. Lord, we pray for the people of Beirut. We pray for mercy and compassion for them. We pray, Lord, for your comfort to be poured out, even as so many are in shock and in mourning. And we pray that you would release vision to the people, to show kindness to each other, to work together for good, and to do acts of mercy one for another. We pray, Lord, that in the midst of this terrible difficulty, you would come and bring a word of comfort and consolation to the people of Beirut. We pray this in the name of Yeshua. Well, friends, as we get ready to worship, we can thank the Lord for Shabbat, that we can be together and we can be with the Lord, and that this can be a time when we can rest and be refreshed. So from Sandy and me, Shabbat Shalom. Now let's join the painters live from home. Shabbat Shalom. Welcome to the painters' home. We'll begin our time together tonight with the lighting of the candles. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us in your word and given us Yeshua Messiah and commanded us to be light to the world. Amen.
Lord our God and God of our fathers, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob, the great, mighty, and awesome God, the most high God who bestows grace and creates all and remembers the kindnesses of the fathers and brings a redeemer to their children's children for his name's sake with love. O King, Helper, Savior, and Shield, blessed are you, O Lord, Shield of Abraham.
Shabbat Shalom Mishpacha. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to our home. Thank you, Eric, Anya, and family for wonderful worship. Thank you, Nikita. It was amazing. We love you. It was so cool. So good to see you all. Today's Torah portion, Ekev, because it's a Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 12, uh, through chapter 11, verse 25. And I named this message, Battle Inside of Us. And um, I want to share the story that illustrates the battle inside every person. And this battle will keep going until the Lord comes. And let us open Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 9, and uh, also Deuteronomy 9, verse 12. So let's open it together and let's read through. So one more time, Deuteronomy 9, verse 9. This is Moses. He's saying uh, the words to Israel. When I went to the mountain to receive the tablets of stone, Adonai cut with you. I stayed on the mountains 40 days and 40 nights. I did not eat bread or drink water. So can you imagine 40 days without water and without bread? He's, he's in the mountain. He's with the Lord. He's receiving uh, commandments from the Lord to people of Israel. And it was great education from Moses to, to be able to stay with the Lord without drinking or food. And let's read verse 12. So at the same time, when Moses on the mountain, Adonai said to me, get up. Get up, go quickly down from here for your people. They have quickly turned out of the way I commanded them. They have made a molten image for themselves so this is the picture i want to like i want to see today for 40 days moses had fasted and prayed humbling himself before the lord his goal was to find the lord's will to receive his torah and vision for the future of israel but at the same time the rest of israel had sinned and perverted those same 40 days, making a golden idol to replace the true God of Israel. Moses and the people of Israel had a completely different perception of spiritual life, a completely different awareness of God, of his plans and purposes for them. Even though they were in the same desert, at the same time, at the same mountain, facing the same circumstances, yet their reactions or, and their solutions were radically different. Can you see the difference here? How strong was faith of Moses and how weak was the faith of the people of Israel? It is so obvious in this picture. Moses and the people of Israel had two completely different worldviews, values, approaches that always at war with each other. When I read this story, it reminds me also my life, personal life, and also life of uh, people around me. Because often the same war happened in our minds, hearts, lives. One part of us is going to the mountain of the Lord. But the other part is tempted to build a golden calf. It is always battle inside of us. Rabbi Shaul gives us a great example of spiritual battle in his own life. And this is in Romans chapter 7, verse 23. And let's open together. Romans 7, verse 23. Speaking of his own struggle, he wrote, but I see a different law in my body parts, battling against the law of my mind and bringing me into bondage under the law of sin. Verse 24, even deeper. 
miserable man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? Verse 25. Thanks be to God. It is through Messiah Yeshua, our Lord. So then, with my mind I myself serve the Torah of God, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. If Rabbi Shaul was so distressed by this conflict within himself, how can I ever maintain a strong faith? How can I make the right decision in my life? How can I be on the right side? And Rabbi Shaul gives an answer later in the same uh, letter of Romans. And let's read the next chapter, chapter 8, verse 1. And I would like to remember that, remind us that there is no such thing as chapters in the Bible, in the scriptures. So next chapter, chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Messiah Yeshua. For the law of the spirit of life in Messiah Yeshua has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what was impossible for the Torah, since it was weakened on account of the flesh, God has done. Sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as a sin offering, he condemned sin in the flesh. The Rabbi Shaul finds the answer to his question in the fact that Yeshua freed us from condemnation by his work of redemption. So think about this. It is so beautiful here, so important. It is one of the most important statements in the Brita Hadashah. And this is the implication of the power of resurrection and life in the Messiah Yeshua. So let's read again. One more time. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Messiah Yeshua. Again, think about it. There is no condemnation. There is no condemnation in the Lord. The Lord is not our judge. One of the names of the Holy Spirit, Parakletos, in Greek, which means our, our advocate, somebody who is standing in the gap for us. Name of Yeshua, our salvation. The Lord is our salvation. He came not to judge, but to bring freedom from condemnation. It is a great gift from the Lord, from Yeshua. Next thing, for the law, law of the Spirit in, in, of life in Messiah Yeshua has set you free from the law of sin and death. It's already happened. He has set you free through Yeshua's death and His resurrection. Law of the Spirit of life in Messiah Yeshua. We are not slaves of law of sin and death. We are not slaves to sin. We are slaves of God. We are His children. Faith in the Lord is not life in bondage. It is life of freedom. It is not determined in faith because life Law of the Spirit of life in Messiah Yeshua has set us free from any, any bondage. So remember, no condemnation. Why? Because Yeshua already has set you free from this bondage, from this slavery of sin. And third part I would like to read here. We can say that, but it's so hard. It's impossible for people, yes. It's impossible for us. This is why it's written here. For what was impossible for the Torah, since it was weakened on account of the flesh, God has done. The words of Yeshua in his last moments. 
he said, accomplished, paid in full, already paid. Through Yeshua, we are free. He set us free. Later in the same chapter, verse 31, Rabbi Shul, the same author who, who wrote this letter, he said, if God is for us, who can be against us? I know that one of the main uh, works of Satan is to bring condemnation, is to push us to believe that we are not free, that we need to do something else, we need to pay some price, and we are guilty in something. But the truth is, there is no condemnation. Set free because God has done. From this understanding, our hearts are filled with gratitude for the mercy given to us and the peace of God fills us. When I understand that the Lord already paid everything, set me free from my sin and death, my heart fills with gratitude to him, towards him. What an amazing liberation. What freedom to realize that your forgiveness does not depend on your own perfection, your own goodness, that is not built on your own righteousness, but that it stands firmly on the righteousness of Yeshua, the only truly righteous man to ever walk this earth, Yeshua the Messiah. At the same time, we need to remember to keep faith, trust in God, to follow him in our daily life. Because freedom in, Lord, in the Lord, it doesn't mean that we can do everything we want. We are free to walk in the Lord. We are free to do righteousness. We are free to be righteousness by the righteousness of Messiah. We are free to stay in his righteousness. We are free to choose not our flesh, but the spirit of God. It's in Romans chapter 8, verse 5, and also verse 9 and 10. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. So the Lord gave us freedom, freedom to choose. We don't need to choose flesh because we have power of the Ruach HaKodesh to choose spiritual things. But those who live according to the Ruach set their minds on the things of the Ruach. And verse 9. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Ruach. What a good news. What a wonderful news to us. If indeed the Ruach Elohim dwells in you, but if Messiah is in you, through the body, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. Spirit is alive because of righteousness, not our righteousness, but righteousness of Messiah, righteousness of Yeshua. When I read chapter 9, Deuteronomy, I found the same idea in the Torah, because some people said that um, New Testament is New Testament, uh, Torah is the Torah, it's a different approach. But let's read together Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 5 and 6. Here's the same idea, the same truth. In the words of Moses to people of Israel. Verse 5, Deuteronomy chapter 9. It is not because of your righteousness. It is not because of your righteousness. Or because of your heart is so upright that you go in to take possession of their land. It is not because. Can you see how how easier it is to dwell in the righteousness of the Lord. How easier it is to walk in the righteousness of God. To accomplish His will. Adonai swore to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Yaakov. Verse 6. Therefore, this is why. Understand that it is not for your righteousness that Adonai your God is giving you this good land to possess the lord gave us the land beautiful land 
kingdom of God. It is not because of our righteousness, but because of him who is our righteousness. Therefore, remember, we can keep trust. We can have peace in the heart, forgiveness and righteousness when we understand and remember. It is the Lord our salvation, our righteousness. He paid all the price for our redemption in Yeshua. And it is a fact. It is already. Nothing can you do to gain love of God. This one more truth I want to share with you. He already loves you in Yeshua. Nothing can you do to pay him back. Everything is available in the death and resurrection of our Messiah Yeshua. The Lord loves us and he loved us even before we came to him. He paid his price even when we were sinners because of his love. This is true. This truth brings freedom to us and liberation to us. It is his mercy and his love that led Israel to victory, not their perfection or their ability to, but simply his love for them. The righteousness given to us by the Messiah, who is our foundation. This is real freedom. This is real freedom. And now in this freedom, we can follow the Lord. We can follow the path. We need to know beyond all doubt that Messiah has forgiven us and that we are justified by his sacrifice. And then, having been forgiven and justified, we can now live in freedom to walk in the way of God. The Torah is mistakenly understood by many people to be only a book of law, hukim. But in fact, it's so much more. The Torah means instructions, a way of teaching, a pattern for our living. It is much more than just instructions. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, Moses gives a very important instructions to the Jewish people. And Deuteronomy chapter 10 from verse 12 and verse 13. So remember, it's not because of your righteousness, but now, verse 12, so now, O Israel, what does Adonai your God need of you? But to fear Adonai your God, to walk in all his ways and love him, and to serve Adonai your God with all your heart and with all your soul, to keep the mitzvot of Adonai and his statutes that I am commanding you today for your own good. The Lord calls us to give us a future and a life. We have nothing to fear when we are following him. It's very important to remember. So I want to say again, the Lord is our righteousness. The Lord is our freedom. The Lord brought liberation to us through Messiah Yeshua. And this is our victory, victory of this battle, to choose things of the Spirit, to follow the Spirit of God over uh, sinful flesh. Thank you very much. And let's welcome Rabbi David. Rabbi Yuri, that was a great message. And I think it's foundational as we're reading the scripture this weekend and as we're contemplating our relationship with God, that we understand that God has done some things for us that we can't do for ourselves. And this need that we have to justify ourselves is only satisfied when we're looking to Yeshua to justify us rather than for ourselves, to justify ourselves. And Rabbi Yuri, I think you did a fantastic job of underlining that, of making it really clear that our righteousness before God is not built on our own righteousness, but on the righteousness of Messiah. I want to connect to these themes that Rabbi Yuri's been exploring and start with this, that the way that we see ourselves and how we see other people actually can tell us a lot about how God is working in our lives. Our view about others is connected to our view about ourselves and vice versa. And both are connected to how we perceive God's view about us too.
It's useful, it's even necessary, to consider God's work in our lives and the things he's done to shape and mature us. If we're not looking at what God has done and we're only looking at what we have done, we've lost the battle. Now, in this week's Torah portion, in the Haftor portion, and the Brit Hadashah as well, there are some nuanced ideas that are expressed. And I want to just share with you a few of those and then look at some scriptures together. The first one is this, and they're not in any particular order. I just jotted them down as they, um, as they were clear to me. This first idea, God may put us in difficult circumstances that actually humble us and test us so that he will be able to later bless us and prosper us. Now, this is a nuanced idea that God can be the one who's managing the whole plan that we're in, including the difficulties that we're in. And he has a plan with a greater purpose in mind by humbling us, by testing us in a way that reveals what's in our hearts. He then prepares us so that we can be blessed and we can prosper. Now, there's a related idea to this that also has nuance. Prosperity and blessing that come from God may cause us to be proud when we take credit and we think we can gain health, wealth, and wisdom on our own. Now, here's the third idea. We're highly valued and we're loved by God, but not because we are so good, rather because he is so good. This was really part of the main point of what Rabbi Yeri was sharing. Now, here's another point. We are stubborn and self-centered, and yet God greatly loves us. He sees us as a treasure for himself. I want to share another statement that's worth underlining. It's worth putting in the comment section. We need each other. You and I need each other. And then related to this, there are some things which God will make impossible for us to achieve or accomplish on our own. They can only be accomplished with the help of others. Now, with this in mind, I want to start with a passage from the Gospel of John, where Yeshua is talking about the incredible unity and completeness which God has in himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then Yeshua underlines that we are insufficient without him and that our faith and trust are essential for us to receive what we need from God. So if you have your Bibles with, with you, and you should, Turn to John chapter 14, and we'll start in verse 10, and we'll look through a few verses together. Yeshua says this, The Father living in me is doing his own works. Then verse 11, Trust me, says Yeshua, that I am united with the Father, and the Father is united with me. But if you can't, then trust because of the works themselves. Trust because of what you've seen me do. Verse 12, yes, indeed, I tell you that whoever trusts in me will also do the works that I do. Indeed, he will do greater ones because I'm going to the Father. In fact, whatever you ask for in my name, I will do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask for me for something in my name, I will do it. Now, let me pause for just a second. Because this idea of acting in the name of Yeshua or in the name of Jesus has been misunderstood. And it's worthwhile to get to the simple idea that he's saying here. In the name means that which is rightfully mine and belongs to me and is according to my will and purpose. If you ask for those things that are mine, that, that are truly good and righteous and holy and filled with justice and mercy, then I will give them to you. Now, some people think this gives us a license to ask for whatever we want, and it's just not the right understanding. And verse 15 helps us understand that. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. If you love me, says Yeshua, you'll do what I tell you. Verse 16, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforting counselor like me, the Spirit of Truth to be with you forever. The world cannot receive him because it neither sees nor knows him. Now, this is interesting. 
Yeshua starts this passage by talking about the unity, the, the condition of oneness in God. God is one, Adonai Echad. That's what we say as Jewish people, and that's what we say as Messianic Jews. But in God being Echad, he expresses himself and reveals himself as a father and as a son and as the Holy Spirit. And God has perfect unity in himself. And how do we tap into the righteousness of God? We have to connect to God as Father, as Son, and Holy Spirit. And that's why Yeshua is talking about the perfect unity between the Son and the Father, the Father and the Son. And then this promise that, that when Yeshua returns to heaven, Father God will pour out another counselor who is like Yeshua, the spirit of truth, to be with us forever. You and I need the spirit of the Lord. You and I need the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now let me connect this to the earlier ideas I was talking about. The way that we see God affects how we see one another and how we see God's work in our own lives. All of these are connected together. And there are times when, when people feel about God that they need to earn his love. And that affects how they relate to other people because they feel insecure in the love that Messiah has made available to us. They feel that everyone is insecure and thus they spread it around but it also affects the person-to-person -person relationships. And I wanna just call out some statements that people make, and some of these you may agree with or disagree with, or you may have thought at one time or another. Here's one, I don't need you and you don't need me. You can summarize that, we don't need each other. I don't need you. How, how often have we dismissed people or felt rejected by people. I don't need you, I dismiss you, you don't need me, you reject me. We don't need each other. And then there's a lopsided view that's similar. You need me, but I don't need you. That's lopsided. Another version of it is, you don't need me, but I need you. It's lopsided because we think only one of us needs the other. Now, here's a more complete way of understanding it, and I think a more mature and biblical way, and it's a promise that, that God has for us that's a reflection of our right relationship with him producing a right relationship with God. And it goes like this, I need you, and you need me. And together we can say, we both need each other. That's worth putting in the, the comment section. We both need each other. I need you and you need me. And that leads to other ideas. I value you and you value me and we both value each other. I'm important to you and you're important to me. We're important to each other. These ideas can either lead us to healthiness or they can reveal where we're unhealthy. When we feel rejected, or when we dismiss others like we don't need them, we're living in a lopsided world. But God has another view for us about where love can come from. It can come from him. The love that he shows us can inform and guide and shape the kind of love we have for others. So Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 17 through 19. For Adonai, you're a God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, mighty, and awesome God who has no favorites and accepts no bribes. He secures justice for the orphan and the widow. He loves the foreigner, giving him food and clothing. Therefore, you are to love the foreigner since you were foreigners in the land of Egypt. It's such an interesting idea. It starts with this proposition that God is, is the highest spiritual authority in the universe. 
and he's great, he's mighty and, and awesome, but he plays no favorites, and you cannot bribe the Lord. You can't pay him off. You can't get him to do what you want with your money, with your contributions, with your philanthropy. No, God stands perfectly in the place of righteousness and justice. And he also secures justice. And verse 18 says that he secures justice for the orphan, the widow, the foreigner, giving him food and clothing. Therefore, verse 19, therefore, that reason you are to love the foreigner. Now, this is an interesting idea because it's a teaching in the Torah that Jewish people need to have a special place in their heart for non-Jews, for people who have come from other countries, other nationalities, other people groups, other cultures, and that we're to take the experience we had in Egypt where we were living as slaves and without civil rights, and we are to, we are to build a kind of empathy that is a reflection of God's love. Now, sometimes we can be empathetic, but not really loving. We can have a sense of someone's value, but we don't really show them love. But the scripture is teaching us not to be empathetic. That's not enough, even though it's foundational, but to show love to the foreigner. Now I want to go to an earlier chapter, Deuteronomy chapter nine, verses six and seven, if you can turn there. And this addresses a, a series of ideas that Rabbi Yuri was also addressing about how we view ourselves and our own righteousness. So here's, here's one of the ideas that people have about God. It affects their relationship to God and it affects their view of God. I'm so good, that's why God loves me. Now there's another version. You're so good and that's why God loves you. Now those sound like um, innocent or not very potent statements, but they're actually very dangerous statements because they're connected to, to other kinds of understandings. And here's one, you're not good enough and that's why God doesn't love you. And that leads to a, a, a self-view that affects other people as well. If you were better, God would love you. And then pointed inward, if I were better, God would love me. This sets someone up for a life of disappointment, a life of insecurity, a life of poor relationship, not only with others, but with themselves, not only with people, but with God as well. We need to connect our love for ourselves, our love for God, and our love for people, because they are all connected as the two great commandments Yeshua taught, teach us. Now here's another way that people can go astray, they can say, I'm so good, and that's why I am healthy, or that's why I'm wealthy, or that's why I'm wise. Deuteronomy 9 verses 6 and 7 expresses it this way, therefore understand it's not because of your righteousness that Adonai your God is giving you this good land to possess. It's not because you're so good, because you are a stiff-necked people, you're a stubborn people. Remember, don't forget how you made the Lord your God angry in the desert. That helps us sober up. It helps us understand that we really need to recognize our own stubbornness and to recognize our own flaws and our failures, our insufficiency, our inadequacy. And that doesn't lead us to insecurity, it leads us to a place of security with the Lord. Now we're gonna step back even further to Deuteronomy chapter eight. It's like we're going in reverse chapter order, starting in verse 11. Be careful not to forget the Lord your God by not obeying his commands, his rulings, his regulations that I say Moses is giving you today. 
Otherwise, verse 12, after you have eaten and are satisfied, after you've built fine houses and lived in them, after you've increased your herds and flocks, your silver, your gold, and everything else you own, then, verse 14, you will become proud-hearted. Forgetting Adonai, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, where you lived as slaves, who led you through the vast and fearsome desert with its poisonous snakes, scorpions, and waterless, thirsty ground, who brought water out of a flint rock for you, who fed you in the desert with, man, with manna, unknown to your ancestors, all the while, and this connects to the, some of the first thoughts I was sharing at the very beginning, all the while humbling and testing you in order to do you good in the end. So that's the warning, that you'll forget all of that, and then it will lead to a wrong understanding about yourself, about other people, and about God. Verse 17, you will think to yourself, my own power and the strength of my own hand have gotten me this wealth. Verse 18, no, you are to remember Adonai your God because it is he who's giving you the power to get wealth in order to confirm his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as is happening even today. Now back to Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 13 through 16, Deuteronomy 10, starting in verse 13. So now Israel, all that Adonai your God asks from you is to fear Adonai your God, to follow his ways, to love him, and to serve Adonai your God with all your heart and all your being. Rabbi Uri shared the scripture earlier. To obey for your own good the mitzvot and the regulations of Adonai, which I'm giving you today. Verse 14, see the sky, the heaven above the sky, the earth and everything on it, all belong to Adonai your God. Only Adonai took enough pleasure in your ancestors to love them and choose their descendants after them, yourselves, above all peoples, as he still does today. Therefore, verse 16, circumcise the foreskin of your heart and don't be stiff-necked any longer. We're not good enough. We can never be good enough. It's not because we once were good enough and God accepted us. No, God loves us. He chose us first. He showed love to us. He didn't even start with us. He started with our ancestors long ago. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would trust in him wouldn't perish, but would have everlasting life. And that's why we have this instruction to remember that it's all not focused on us, that we cannot attain the kind of righteousness that we want. Even the blessings we have can become stumbling blocks to us when we think that we're the source of blessing and that we have all the power that we could possibly need. Now I wanna to go to Isaiah 49 verses 22 and 23. I, I want to take some time right now to, to read these two verses because they speak about something that's so powerful and so foundational for the Messianic movement. Isaiah 49 verse 22 says, Adonai Elohim, the Lord our God answers, I am beckoning to the nations. I'm raising my banner for the peoples and they will bring your sons in their arms and they will carry your daughters on their shoulders. Here the Lord is saying through Isaiah, the Jewish prophet, the prophet of Israel to the people of Israel, I will turn to the nations and they will bring your sons in their arms and they will carry your daughters on their shoulders. That is an amazing statement of need. Brothers and sisters who are Jewish, let me say this to you. We need those who are not Jewish, to help us, to stand with us. Sometimes God uses them to carry us through life's difficulties, to bring us into a place where we can be united with the God of Israel. And it's important to understand that as verse 23 says, they serve as foster fathers and as nursing mothers at a time of our greatest vulnerability, both spiritually and sometimes physically, God will use people who were not born Jewish to save those who were born Jewish. 
Jews need Gentiles. Can I put it that way? Gentiles need Jews. Can I say it like that? Well, some people don't like the word Gentile. It's a good biblical word, but let's say it another way. Jews need other ethnic groups, other cultures, other people groups, other nationalities, and other ethnic groups and people groups need the Jewish people too. We need each other. When we understand how much we need from God, then we can stop justifying ourselves and thinking that we are all sufficient. And when we stop doing that, it affects our relationship with other people and with other nations and ethnicities as well. We need each other. We need each other. That's not optional. It's not if you like the idea, you need others. It's not that if, if you think your ethnic group is really great, then you don't need people. No, everyone needs others. There is all this diversity because we need each other's help. Now with this in mind, I wanna close with a scripture that Sandy shared with me um, this week from Colossians chapter three. It, it's taken from the verses that start in Colossians 3.8 to verse 17. And this is Sandy Levine's living translation. And verse eight starts with this, this statement, take off anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language. And then jumping to verse 12, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long suffering. Verse 13, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against one another. Even as Messiah forgave you, so you also must do. Verse 14, but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you also were called in one body to be thankful. Verse 16, let the word of Messiah dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Verse 17, and whatever you do in word or deed, do all, do all in the name of the Lord Yeshua, giving all thanks to God the Father through him. Do all of this because the word of Messiah is alive in you, because the word of Messiah has transformed you because of what Messiah has done for us. And as Yeshua is united with God the Father and the Holy Spirit is united with Yeshua and the Father, so you and I are united with God through Messiah. We have life in us. God in us, the Holy Spirit in us, and he makes us alive. And what God has done for us and what he has God done in us enables him to do even more through us so that we can be different. We can put off what we need to, we can put on what we need to so that all that Messiah has for us can be accomplished whatever you do in word or deed, whatever you do in word, whatever you say, and whatever you act on, do it all in the name of the Lord Yeshua, giving all thanks to God the Father through him. What a wonderful, wonderful scripture. Sandy, thank you so much for sharing that with me. It built me up and it gave me a way of tying together these teachings that we're sharing with you these days. And I wanna encourage you, men and women, and children, teenagers, young adults, young and old together, I wanna to encourage you, keep reading the scriptures, draw life from the scriptures, take your life from God that he has available to you in the scriptures. But don't just read it, do the scriptures. Allow the word of God to dwell richly in you and you will be changed forever, far beyond you could, whatever you could ask or imagine. Well, as we're closing right now, I want to invite you to watch Cantor Aaron Jacobs' new video on our Facebook page. And we have a new feature that we're working on called Ask the Rabbi. 
You can send questions about our studies together by email. We'll select some of those questions and periodically we'll do an Ask the Rabbi session. It may be video, it may be a written post. We'll try it out. And here's how you can do it. You can use this email address, asktherabbi at bethisraelnow.com. Now, here's some guidelines to help us all. This isn't a way to ask us private questions. This is for questions you want answered publicly. It's only for questions relating to our teachings and studies together. And this is not for stump the rabbi questions, you know, the kind of questions no one has a good answer for. Well, I want to encourage you to be praying for members of our Mishpacha this week. Misty Sandoval is uh, an RN. She's a nurse in the emergency department at uh, Mayo Clinic here in Jacksonville. She's an RN uh, working there, and she was exposed to a patient who had COVID-19, and now she is testing positive for it, as well as two other um, colleagues. And so we want to pray for her. She's now begun um, quarantine and isolation, and we're praying for protection from severe symptoms, and we're praying for her family as well. So Lord, we thank you for Misty Sandoval, and we pray for protection for her. We pray, Lord, that she would recover quickly and that severe symptoms would be far, far away from her. In Yeshua's name we pray. And also we heard from Maria Perez. She's in Mexico right now where she is scheduled for um, surgery on Tuesday. And so be praying for her and she thanks you for her prayers. Um, and you know, she has that aneurysm um, that is near her liver and she will get a surgical correction there. She's with her daughter Yaslan and with family as well. So Lord, we lift up Maria Perez. We pray, Lord, that your love for her would just abound. Thank you for provision for her. Thank you for safety. We pray for success uh, with this aneurysm surgery in the name of Yeshua. Amen. I want to thank you for your support for Beth Israel and your faithful, steady giving that provides stability for us. Your ties, your offerings are so important, and we're grateful for your generosity and your cheerfulness, your sacrificial giving as well as your tithes and offerings. Now, if you want to participate financially, please go to our webpage, bethisraelnow.com giving, and you'll find out how you can become a supporter of Beth Israel. You can use our online giving platforms, Giving Fire and PayPal. They're both very easy to use, very easy to set up. And you can also find out how to send checks in the mail or to use your bank pay, uh, your bill paying service through your bank. So thank you for your support. Thank you for standing with us during this time. I want to encourage you to join us tomorrow. We're going to have uh, a new format with some of the service coming from uh, live from the sanctuary and some live from home. It's going to be a wonderful time, very exciting. And also it will be uh, a great step forward for us. I want to close tonight with Aaron's blessing as we normally do at Beth Israel, and then we'll return to the painter home for a final worship song. So if you're with family and friends, gather together now. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep watch over you, guard and protect you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Thanks for joining with us this evening. And from my wife, Sandy, from myself, Shabbat Shalom. Now let's go to the painter home for our final worship song. Shabbat Shalom.
Slash 